Sandy D, Queen of Podcasts Zen. Join me as I interview inspiring and creative women who are living their passion, finding balance, and making an impact around the globe. Come discover your inner Zen. Find balance while growing your business. Tap into your creative flow. Explore holistic health and spirituality. I'll share tips and tools for living a more peaceful, inspired, and balanced life. Relax, recharge, be inspired. Feel free to connect with me at All Things Relax Studios. Thanks for listening. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome to our show. Today I'm talking with Victoria Wolf, chef, content creator, graphic designer, and nomad. Victoria, thanks for joining us from your RV. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> okay, so let's jump in and get started. Um, could you tell our listeners more about you, your background, and how you started your entrepreneurial journey? Okay, yes. Um, I've been an entrepreneur since I can remember when I was a kid, always trying to start little businesses in the neighborhood. I had a little candy stand. I had this club called the Explorers Club, um, where we would try, we would explore the swamps because I grew up in Florida. And I had a whole hierarchy and everything. It's like, of course, I was the president. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and always had little businesses. And then in 1992, I decided I wanted to be a graphic designer. I had no idea how to be a graphic designer, but I went out and I bought everything I needed and I started. And here I am 30 years later, still a graphic designer with, with a thriving business. So, um, and in between, I've had some other businesses and now I've, you know, I've got three kind of going right now. So I, I guess I'm a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I grew up in Florida, moved to Colorado in 95, I think. And then when we left on our RV journey, um, that's where we left from was Denver, Colorado. Um, I, mm-hmm. Rich, my husband, and I have been together since uh, 2013. He's, he's my second marriage. And um, oh. we have a son from my first marriage who is now almost 19. Wow. And, um, mine yeah. too. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. He'll yeah. be in November. Oh, come on. Mine too. <laughs> okay. Now I got to ask, what, which day? 27th. <gasps> Mine's the 24th. Yeah. He's oh, close. Yeah, very <laughs> so close. So sometimes it's a Thanksgiving baby. Sometimes. Yes, every yeah. six years. You know, uh-huh. for him. I think it's six or seven or nine or some year, whatever, something like that. Oh, um, yeah, and so now, um, you know, living on the road, uh, running the businesses, working, exploring, having fun, and a lot of working and not as much having fun, but enough of it. So it's right. <laughs> so can you speak to the phrase, because um, you've said this, home is where you park it. And I just want to know what was the catalyst or like the tipping point for just packing everything up and deciding, okay, let's travel around the country in an RV. I I think it's when I think Rich and I both decided that we we didn't want to live a a conventional life anymore. We we've sort of done that our whole lives. What we actually realized is we were both living somewhat conventional lives, but rebelling at the same time, the entire Mm -hmm. way through, even when we weren't together, we were, you know, recounting our lives and, I think we we were both have been nomads for a very long time and we didn't know it. And so um, we had a dream business, unfortunately closed in 2020 um, out of our control. And I think that that's when we decided, okay, what's our next big thing. And, we were we were ready so we planned for two years and um and we got ready i mean we really planned and the the home is where you park it is is 
I guess saying that it doesn't matter. You don't have to have a brick and mortar house. You know, brick, sticks and bricks is what they call it in the RV world. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, cool. to, to have a home. A home is wherever you and the people that you love the most are. Now, I guess I have, you know, half a home because my son's not with us and my mom's not with me. But you, you get the picture. Yeah, yeah. It's it's unconventional for most people. The thought of selling everything they own, which we virtually did. We have a very small storage area, but not much in it. And just, Mm -hmm. you know, driving around and and everything you own is in your RV and your truck. Um, That's that's a lot for some people to to handle. I mean, you're like, oh, my God, I could never do that. (laughs) Um, But it's very freeing. It's totally freeing to not be tied down to anywhere or anything. And um, it really forces you to declutter and just really decide what's important, what's truly important in life too, right? It does, and get rid of lots of shoes. I used to be a shoe, I mean, I collected shoes. I had probably 150 pairs of shoes. Over the last few years, I hadn't worn them as much anyways, but I got rid of those. I mean, I I came into this RV with less clothes than Rich had. And I I took that whole, you know, purging thing very seriously. And it is crazy (laughs) how little you need. And so I kind of have this theory that all humans everywhere only use 10% of their belongings ever. And we just have other other stuff just to make us feel better, make us feel whatever anxiety we have. Well, what if I don't have this? And what if I need that? And it's something we all do. And I'm I'm just very happy that that I broke away from that. And I hope that when we eventually get off the road, I don't don't go right back into that. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's like, give me all my stuff now. I got more space. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. You know, I, I lived overseas for two years in Japan. And I remember right before going, I was expecting child number two, the one who's about to be 19. And um, just having to pack through, you know, stuff, but they're like, you know, you can only take a couple boxes, like ship a few boxes over. And you know, the rest is in your little suitcases and everything else was like, we had a small storage room. So we had stuff like moved into storage, but it's like, you know, you're not going to move, like pay all that money and move stuff you're not really going to use. So it's like, get rid of stuff, get rid of stuff. But it is really freeing to be able to say, okay, I'm mobile. Like I can move around and not have all this junk clutter. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I mean, there's people who do it with less than what we have. There's people that are in much uh-huh. smaller rigs and have, you know, less things. And I'm happy at my level. We went from 2,400 square feet to 400 square feet. So wow. I, I think that was a good purge. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> so um, moving on to another topic that to me is really um, interesting because I think I had shared with you previously, more recently I've had to kind of go back to, revert back to gluten-free. Could you share more about the work that you do in the gluten-free living space and your thoughts on how the gluten-free lifestyle has changed since you first started? Oh, that's a really good question. Um I've been gluten-free since 2007. Um, I, I, I self-diagnosed. I don't know if I have celiac. I don't, I don't care to know at this point. And back then, you didn't just go explore what you have because of pre-existing conditions. So I stopped mm-hmm. eating gluten. I felt completely better. Um, and then I had to stop dairy, too, a few years later. figured that one out. Um, back then, there was hardly anything. Everything was cardboard or there weren't a lot of choices. Yeah. And so when Rich and I got together in 2013, I'm like, okay, just so you know, you know, full disclosure, gluten and dairy free, you know, let me know if you need to go now, you know, so he's (laughs) like, no, this is great. It's going to be a challenge because we both obviously love to cook. Um, And so we, um, 
we started playing around with pizza because there's no good pizza options. And to our surprise, we came up with this amazing pizza crust recipe um, and then more bread recipes. We kept making them. And so we started a business at, the, at our high point. We were selling in grocery stores in like six or seven states in almost wow. every restaurant in Denver that sold pizza. Um, and then, like I had said earlier, that business came to a screeching end. And um, and so <laughs> I would have been very, very deep into the gluten free world. Um, it's it's hugely changed since 2007. There, there are a gazillion options. The one thing that hasn't changed, though, is most of those options really are not that good. I think that, um, and I went through this in the early stages of gluten-free, just to have something where like, oh, this tastes really good because you have something. But if you, but right. once you get past that and you're really looking for stuff that tastes like you remember, has a te texture like you remember, it, it's still difficult to find those things. Um, Pasta and, and bread are like the hardest ones, right? They, they are, but yeah, well, pasta, yeah, pasta. There's some decent pastas out there. Um, most of the Italian ones and Barilla and um, Ronzoni actually is quite good. Um, to me, pasta is easier because you can really just kind of mix it with something. You're not eating it by itself. Uh, bread is yeah. the hardest. And I think pizza crust is even the hardest um, of all of them. Be you can get a pizza crust that's thin and cracker-like, or you can get one that's cauliflower. If I'm eating pizza, I don't want cauliflower. Me either. <laughs> yeah, our crust was, it was, it was, um, it had some chew to it. It, it, it had a, a thicker edge. It had a yeasty, bready flavor. It could, you could fold it like in a, like a, like a New York pizza. Like I mean, New York. I'm from New York so originally. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. wonderful. And, um, but so what we did is we shared all of our recipes with the world. They're all on our website. Um, we have videos uh, that show you how to bake everything from bre bread and cinnamon rolls and even pie crust. Mm. Um, so, and all the videos that we do on our YouTube channel and our website, they're all gluten-free and probably 95% of them are dairy-free as well. Um, I wow. still think it's a challenge for the gluten-free. The unfortunate thing is that whole, oh, you're gluten-free, this is great, wave has kind of gone away. And yeah. I, I think at some point we're not going to find as many options in the grocery stores. Um, and it's going to go back to, you know, we're fending for ourselves to, to, to a large degree. And, and most of it's so expensive. Uh, I know a lot of people can't even afford a lot of gluten-free options, just doesn't fit in the budget. Um, so that's why I'm a huge proponent proponent of uh, making your they own food. a teeny little portion for like some crazy amount of money <laughs> like they really take advantage of people on the gluten-free lifestyle that's um okay so i'm a huge proponent of making your own food and and you're you're better off anyways you know exactly what goes into it um there's no additives there's no f hidden gluten or anything so i i, I that's my mantra is getting people to cook more yeah. Wow. And and you were telling me just before we hopped on that you guys were just um, filming like another cooking video, yep. right? Yeah, yep. we release a cooking video every week. Um, so we film one every week. Today was uh, German potato salad, which I'm, I'm a bit of a potato salad connoisseur. I was a connoisseur is a bad word. I just love potato <laughs> salad. I can probably <laughs> eat it at every meal. Um, so I made the German version, which um, I don't eat too much. I prefer a mayo based, but it was really good though. Mm -hmm. Oh, that sounds delicious. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> Um, when we last spoke now, you shared that you had also written a book about painting. Well, you shared that you had gone through a phase where you like were into like painting and you use that creative time to like explore and document and share like some of like struggles, life lessons. Can you share a little bit more about your book and the ex your experience with that writing process? Oh, sure. Um, 
after the business closed in early 2020, uh, we found ourselves with a lot of free time. And we both were thinking, oh, what hobbies can we do? And I had had a, a bin of painting stuff for like almost 10 years. I'd always wanted to try to paint. And so, okay, this is my perfect opportunity. I'm going to teach myself how to paint because for the most part, I've taught myself how to do everything in life. And I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be <laughs> challenging, but it'll be fun. And so I set off to do that. And I got two or three, about two months into it. And I also had always wanted to write a book. And because I am in the book world as a cover designer and I work with tons of authors, um, I'm like, okay, I, I know the perfect editor and writing coach for me. So I call her up and we plan that to, uh, you know, the, the book. And she had the great idea because I was telling her all about my painting journey and how horrible it was, but how wonderful it was at the same time. It had brought up, when you teach yourself anything, and especially create creative stuff, at least for me, um, it brought up all those old wounds and all those old voices in my head that I thought I oh, had yeah. gotten rid of. And so she thought that was such an interesting story that she, we decided that each chapter of the book would be one of my paintings and talk about not just how I painted it, you know, a little bit about that, but everything that brought up. And then I weaved kind of like my life story, my memoir in through all mm. that. Um, and it's, uh, and I knew if I was going to do that, I, it was going to be very honest, very open, transparent, very raw. Yeah. Because, you know, I've had a history of mental health issues, and I've read tons of books and heard quite a few stories. And you never really heard the, the nitty gritty. You know, it's like, right. I want to know, you know, what are those crazy thoughts in your head? Do you have the same crazy thoughts? Yeah. That I do? Do, you, do you have irrational thoughts? Do you, you know, do you, do you, do you hate yourself, but then you love yourself all in the same moment? You know, yeah. all those things. And so I wanted to share everything that I was going through and, and I do, and it, it's a very raw book and it's, it's not for the faint at heart to read. Um, it'll probably trigger, uh, if you have anything latent, it'll probably trigger that. Um, but it is, I feel it's an inspirational story that you, you can go through the hell that I went through, not just in those three months, but through my life and yeah. come out on the other side in a much better place. And it's really a, a, a hopeful book. It's, it's called Perpetual Conflict, which is pretty much what my brain always is, is a perpetual <laughs> conflict. Oh, and yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, you'll little... get that when you read the book and, um, <laughs> and you'll understand why, who the perpetual players are. Um, and so, yeah, it was a great, it was a the writing process was part of this whole painting process. It extended it. And it was, what was amazing is I was be writing chapters. And as I'm writing what I went through, things started to come together. I started to get understanding and, um, and determined, you know, why I was, why I was feeling what I was feeling. Okay. I think we're back. <laughs> That's my fault. Cause we, we have trees. Our, our internet satellite dish is a bit obstructed. Cause we have <laughs> it's That's an okay. RV problem. So, are <laughs> we living yeah yeah you gotta love it and um yeah so the the writing then became part of the therapeutic process that the painting had started and i i can say i am a completely different person than i was before i started painting and writing and i'm not 100 percent healed i'll never be it's all it's a daily you know it's like i'm gonna find issues on a daily basis but it it was quite quite a wonderful experience Wow. Okay, we all have to get a copy of the books. It's available on Amazon, I assume. Yes, yes, it okay. is an Amazon um, in uh, ebook and paperback, and um, and I have a, 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 a. You can read the first chapter. Um, I'll give you Ooh. the link that you can give to everybody. Yeah, um, sure. That you just read the first chapter, and if you you know the first chapter is kind of tame, but it gets a little. <laughs> it sets the groundwork for for pretty much everything um, that's going to happen. So.
Oh, I definitely have to read that. Especially, I shared with you previously, too, that um, I had gone through a particularly stressful time in life, and I cannot draw a stick figure for the life of me, but um, it was suggested, why don't you try painting? And I had a blank canvas and some acrylic paints, and I just started to just paint, mostly like abstract or abstract figurative, and it just kind of like mm-hmm. flowed. Like nobody ever taught me how to do any of it. I just kind of did it, but it's really therapeutic. I mean, I know that's there's a reason they say you know, art therapy, but it really was therapeutic. So I love how you took the, an extension of that and also like wrote a book about, yeah, this is just, I'm going to read it for sure. Definitely. Oh, okay, good. Well, you'll yeah, know everything is really there exciting. is to know about Victoria if you read that book. Cool. And I just, it's interesting to say that you cannot draw a stick, but you could paint. And um, I've been a graphic designer for 30 years. I used to always say, I'm, I'm not an artist, I'm a graphic designer. And I, I had myself convinced I could never paint because I really can't draw. I can kind of draw, I don't have the patience to draw. And so you don't have to be able to draw to paint. Okay, yeah. So you don't have to be able to draw to paint. They are actually two different things. People who draw can't necessarily paint and people who paint can't necessarily draw. And there's a small subset that can do both. And I some I, can, I can, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not me. It's like a Venn diagram, painting, yeah. drawing, those who could do both. Yeah. I would, I have a random question actually. Did you design your logo? Um, yes, I designed every yeah, all of our logos. Because <laughs> it's gorgeous. I love it. I just oh, I meant you. to tell you that earlier. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, I'm like jealous. <laughs> so maybe I have to ask you to help with doing that sometime. <laughs> yeah. I, I love doing logos. I've done quite a few in, in my career and um, they're fun. They're very, very creative and fun. Yeah. So you were just mentioning that you do a lot of like book cover designs and stuff as part of your graphic design mm-hmm. um, business. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, what um, about five or six years ago, um, I was approached to do a book cover. I've done so many different, just I've designed probably everything that can be designed. And I fell in love with, with book cover design. And so then I connected myself for people who were looking for designers. And so I started Mm -hmm. doing more and more book covers. Now I do book covers, interiors, eBooks. I do author websites. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's took me all those years to finally win an award for design. So I am an award winning book cover and interior. Congratulations. That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, it just—it was a very long path to get there, but in an, I always say it's like, where were book covers my whole career? Because they're so much fun, and working with authors um, is probably the best client you can have because most of the authors I work with are first-time authors, and there's oh. such the excitement and the joy and the yeah. fear and the—it's <laughs> like all <laughs> that rolled up, and yeah, it's, uh, it's just really wonderful to be part of that special um, event for them. Do you specialize in like a uh, any like? particular type of like genre or no just i do all comes to from right. fiction oh. to children's books to business oh. books journals where i've done i do everything wow. one of most people who see all my um designs um are amazed that they all look different and they don't they don't kind of look like the same person did them well, like a and, cookie cutter yeah yeah i'm not sure how i do that i've, I've always had this way of getting in a client's head and kind of oh. knowing what they want and it's it's a i'm a very intuitive designer and so oh. being an intuitive designer, you you are kind of channeling, you know, that person or that book or something. And I'm, I'm really happy about that. And um, yeah, all these things I've learned about myself so late in life, you know, but you know, oh, right. better late than never, right? So. Oh, I love that. That is so cool. Um, wow, that is, I, I had spoken to um, a previous colleague who's also 
He's also an author. We knew each other when we used to work back in publishing, but for, you know, boring business publishing. But she also, like, writes really um, fun books. It's, like, crimes of fashion books, so detective books, but um, crimes of fashion. But she was sharing how, when she used to be with a traditional publisher, how upset she was because the cover on the book, like, the whoever designed the book cover or whatever, it didn't, like, embody the vision she had for her book. And so several years later, she went back to the publisher and said, I want the rights back to my book and republish them, mm-hmm. you know, like self-publish them. And had like, I think her husband's a graphics designer, like had finally got the cover that she wanted on her books, like got the creative control back in her hands. Yeah, yeah. that happens. That happens a lot. Not just with the big publishers, um, which is very, very hard mm-hmm. nowadays to get picked up by a big publisher. It's just unless you've got 100,000, you know, social media followers they are not going to touch you. Um, so yeah. tons of people are self-publishing. But there are different ways to self-publish. And there's a lot of um, hybrid publishers out on, on the internet you may find where you don't have any control they they're like they'll give you three cover choices you have to pick one one interior you have to pick one whereas what i do and with all the people that i work with um it's all about the author they get what they want i mean obviously we guide them you know give tell me right. that's practices what we think is going to work best for their um you know for their book and um i mean it the author should have a say i remember the very fri- i was getting into brene brown Brene Brown is that yeah, and yeah. I watched a, a YouTube uh, video and it it was probably the only one I watched. I never got any further than that, even though I do love her. Um, she was telling the story about her first book cover, and she was showing what the publisher put up there as an option for her very first book, and it was so funny and it was so off off point. <laughs> and um, it's just yeah, it happens. You think the publishers, you know, you get all this like, oh, what do you want? How should we do it? No, they just like here, oh, here's no. your book. Give me the word. Here's your book. <laughs> and, and the other surprising thing is is editing for anybody who wants to write a book who thinks that they've got to sit down at that computer and create a perfect book they're wrong the editor does it is amazing what editing editing does for a book it doesn't make you a bad writer or good whatever it's part of the process you have the ideas you put the story together and the editor helps you craft it into an even better story so if you're afraid that you can't sit down and write an amazing book on the first try don't even think that just start writing find yourself a good editor and you're good to go Absolutely. Yeah. Cause it can make a world of difference. Cause I've read books where they obviously did not, either they didn't have an editor or they didn't have a good one. Cause yes. like, your story's interesting, but it's not well, not well written. Yeah. That, and, yeah. And editing is expensive. It's probably the most expensive part of the book creation process, but it's the most critical because if it's the words it. don't work, if the story doesn't work, it doesn't matter how beautiful your cover is or your interior or anything. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, this is great. I, I love talking. See, you're so multifaceted and multi-passionate, and like we could talk about all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I love it. Um, and um, where are you guys, by? if you don't mind sharing, where are you guys, like, you said something about, like, in the summer you move around, I think, is it more often, and then in the fall you settle down a little more? Yeah, we, well... It's not by design because um, we're, yeah. we're, we're in the upper peninsula of Michigan right now. Um, okay. Michigami, to be exact, which is about 30 miles west of Marquette, Michigan. Um, and up in these parts, um, there is a lot of summer um, tourism. And so most RV parks won't let you stay more than two weeks at a time because they want to churn and burn everybody, oh, everybody to get a chance. And so then okay. as we get into fall, um, we're going to be staying longer three and four weeks at a time because we can. Um, if, okay. if we could stay longer up 
here, you know, in, in each park we would, but it's just in high tourist areas, you, you typically can't. Yeah. Um, but two weeks is a good amount of time. I'm happy with that. So. And then do you end up going somewhere warmer when it's like summer or, uh, oh, not summer. Sorry. Mm-hmm. My brain is yeah. like flipped here in the winter. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be in Florida. Well, we're making our way down to Florida, like going Kentucky, Tennessee, uh-huh. Georgia, um, South Carolina, back to Georgia and then Florida for the holidays and into January. Oh, and then okay, we'll make nice. our way back up. Um, cause we we're going back to Colorado in the spring. Um, to see oh. family and, and whatnot. So, yeah, nice big circle. And then I think next year we're going to do the East Coast for the summer. Oh, so that would be pretty. Yeah, yeah, lots of beaches. <laughs> yeah. I nice. think we're good in Maine. I, I cannot wait to spend like a month in Maine. Oh, that's going to be great. I still haven't gone, but I've, my um, my mom's sister, my aunt, hit, like every summer would go up there for I think like three weeks at least and go like kayaking and do all kinds of outdoorsy stuff. Yeah. Oh, it looks nice. amazing. I'm, I'm I'm very excited to go, and yeah. I haven't been to the Northeast in like 30 years, so time oh my to go. Gosh. Back. Wow, that's cool. Well, if you ever drive through Central Pennsylvania, come see us. <laughs> yeah, we probably will. You never know. Yeah, you know, I think that, I don't know which way we're taking, but we haven't planned yeah. the trip yet. We do typically plan six to eight months out, um, but wow. that's a little further than six to eight months out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That sounds like fun. Um, We're going to take a really quick break. And when we come back, I want to hear what you do to relax and rejuvenate. You have a voice and it deserves to be heard. Hi, I'm G. Wright, producer and rock star media trainer. I'm on a mission to help authors, coaches, and creative entrepreneurs share their story and channel their inner rock star. Join me and Sandy D, the queen of podcast zen, in our rock star media training program. Speak with confidence and clarity and connect with your audience. Join the band today at allthingsrelaxstudios.com. So, Victoria, what do you do to relax and rejuvenate, <laughs> especially in small space? <laughs> um, I think, well, my husband and I kind of relax and rejuvenate together to some degree. And some, we, every single night we will sit outside because we can now. We'll sit outside the RV in our chairs. And sometimes we have a fire. Sometimes we don't. Mm. We enjoy, you know, enjoy some wine, some talk and seeing the goings on in the campground. So that is very relaxing for us. Um, we'll take a walk, ride bikes. Um, and we watch a little bit of TV with, you know, we, we have, um, you know, Netflix, you know, Apple TV, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I think that's pretty much how we relax. We work a lot. I mean, with all the different things that we're doing. And so that downtime is really important for us. Um, I used to, before I went, lived in an RV is to get regular massages, which I really enjoyed. That, that was more a phys- physical need, but it turned out to be something I really mentally enjoyed as well. And I would get them on the road, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm just really afraid I'm going to get a really bad massage because typically when you're like a walk-in, you're getting the, the people who just got out of massage school. So <laughs> when I go back to Colorado, I, hopefully I will get like a massage once a week all, the whole time I'm there and get my fill. We went to Colorado last year for vacation because I don't remember if I shared, but I had lived briefly in Littleton outside of Denver. Oh, no, you didn't and say that. That's cool. I don't think I'll tell you. 
my older son, who's 22, was like five at the time. So he started kindergarten there. Oh. Um, so, but they hadn't been back since they were really little. So they don't remember really very much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that to say, um, yeah, while we were there, I was like, let me take advantage of getting a good massage because <laughs> I haven't found a place to truly like where I live now. It, and you know, the funny thing is, they keep emailing me every couple of weeks, come book your appointment to come back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> like live I wish. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's tough. I have um, the, uh, my massage therapist. I, she's, I've been with her for 20 something years. She is, oh my, she's so phenomenal. And um, wow. she, she's also a flight attendant. So she's always traveling. So I, I always seem to catch her when she was in Denver. So hopefully when I get back, she'll be around for a while and I can get. Yeah, you're playing a trip around her. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's very good. <laughs> oh, nice. Wow. That's cool. Um, and then last but not least, who or what inspires you? You know, that's, that's an interesting question. I'm, I'm inspired by life in general. I'm, I'm, I'm a person who's never had mentors. I've never had really people I look up to, which I never understood why that I'm just weird, I guess. But um, I can be inspired by something as crazy, you know, as as a tree, which isn't crazy. Uh-huh. I do love trees, but no, just that's cool. life. And I think because I'm so visual, and everything I do is so creative, it doesn't take much to inspire me. But um, I'm, I'm constantly inspired on a daily basis. So my clients it. inspire me. So mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, one time when I was working at the, again, this really stressful place, I went outside in my backyard and I looked at the tree and there was, I, I took a picture of it. The tree had like this pattern on it. And it was like, you know, the famous painting where they're like, like this, like, like ah, the, uh-huh. munch, is the, munch? the scream, yeah. I think the, scream yeah. the scream, the scream. Yeah. I took a photo of that and I emailed it to all my colleagues. They're like, oh my gosh, yes, that's so, that's so what's going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> the trees are good. The trees are my friends. I, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with trees. I paint a lot of trees. Um, I, I, I like mm. that we're in the middle of trees, even though it kind of obstructs my, um, my Starlink internet. But um, for some reason, trees are important to me. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Wow. Well, I want to thank you, Victoria, for, you know, taking time out to talk with us today. And um, where's the best place for listeners to connect with you if they want to catch up with you? Um, well, I, I have three, di- you know, but the three different businesses, um, I think I, I made the page on gfexplorers.com forward slash connect, but I will double check and give you that. But the three sites are gfexplorers.com, um, wolfdesignandmarketing.com and victoriawolfart.com. And, um, that all our, all my social links you'll find on all of those sites. <laughs> I just have Great. one site. So- <laughs> they multi-passionate that's totally cool yeah. i get it <laughs> so i'll make sure we have all your links and everything in the show notes um so that people can connect with you because yeah that's right because we had spoken before you even have like your art too that you need to to get out to people as well <laughs> um i want to thank everyone for listening we appreciate your support ciao You've been listening to All Things Relax with Sandy D. Relax, recharge, be inspired, and step into your power. Sandy D, the queen of podcasts, Zen, would love to hear from you. You can connect with her on Instagram or Facebook at All Things Relax Studios. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time.